Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Beyond the Present Podcast. My name is Daniel Mulgan and I'm here joined by Pujix, live from Toronto. Hey there, my man, how's it going? Life is fantastic. How are you? I am doing terrific. And we got our guest, Ali Madi, back from guess what? From guess what? From Las Vegas. Hey there, my man, how's it going? I'm good, how are you? Just really tired, man. I know, I know, man. They say, <laughs> what happens in Vegas... Stays in Vegas. And I'm not going to ask you what you did there. Trust me. Well, actually, I do want to ask you what happened. I'm kind of curious. So why don't you tell us first about Las Vegas? Uh, how was your trip there and how long you stayed? And overall, how much you enjoyed your stay in Las Vegas? Uh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So I flew to Las Vegas from, from San Francisco. Uh, the flight was actually really, really cheap. It was like $60 for Wow. Amazing. Yeah. What was your airline, by the way? American Airlines or something? Delta? No, it was... It was, um, I believe, uh, actually, it was the Alaskan airline. I okay, believe. okay. Just, yeah. it, was, it was a cheap airline, right? Alaskan. It was a cheap airline. Yeah, yeah, it was. No, it was. It was really nice. They had a TV and everything, and and the flight was like only an hour, so that was that was really nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah. So sixty dollars for the flight. The the hotel was like uh, I remember it was so so it was three of us, and we stayed for. Three nights, so it was about, I think, about $400. $400 per night? No, no, that's that's the total. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, how many bedrooms yeah. in, in, in the hotel, basically? It was a big big room or something? No, yeah. Yeah, it was just one bedroom, but but had, like, two twin beds. So we, we were, like, three. So, so like, it fit right in. So all right, nice. very well. No privacy, yeah. but you had a lot of fun saving all that money. That's pretty cool. Fantastic. So oh, tell man, me yeah. about the other stuff, man, Honestly. going to casinos and other stuff. Let's talk about Sin City. So what happened there? So, so I mean, you know, the first – okay, so the first day in the morning, you know, like, obviously in the morning there's there's not much to do. So so we went to the Death Valley. Um, so, so, like, have you heard of the, the Death Valley? Of course, of course. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. So you know, like we drove there, and it, and it got to fifty degrees at one point. So wow. it was super hot there. Okay. Yeah. And then and then there's there's warnings all over the place. It's like if you don't have any gas, just stay in the car. Don't go don't go outside. And and there's no cell service either. So so you can't even call anyone. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. <laughs> it's insane. So the but, start wasn't that fun. It was too yeah, adventurous, sure. of course, but not that fun. And after that, so when you guys hit the uh, the big yeah. stuff, the good stuff, the casinos. Yeah. So the yeah the casinos. Yeah. Uh, so so into the Caesar's Palace, uh, and then there's there's a bunch of casinos in there. Uh, went to MGM, MGM Grand. Fantastic. So, so that was a big casino, you know. Just, uh, just just hit the just hit the machines, you know. At first, I was I was putting like only one dollar at a time, <laughs> but then I just kept losing that dollar. I'm oh like, boy! Okay, I'm go I, I got to get one more. I'm gonna try one more time. Well, that's what they say. The house always wins, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Very well. It's Any other fun. remarkable thing that happened during your Vegas trip? Ah oh, man, I it was it's it's all a blur. <laughs> uh, well, I think a lot of that stuff is blurry, given the fact that you've been doing some uh, other stuff too. I guess I mean, so. Pretty good for you. Well, I mean, I mean, what happens there it stays there. Absolutely, so, you know. buddy. So I'm not going to ask you further, but I know you had a great uh, time in Vegas and glad to have you back here basically with us. Although, as much as we love to talk about Vegas, perhaps under the time we're talking in depth about how to have a bachelor's party in Vegas, today's topic actually is about AI and specifically with respect to medicine, because we've already talked about AI a few episodes back. Uh, now we want to talk in depth about artificial intelligence as it applies to the field of medicine and how this is going to transform the way doctors do their job so first of all 
Let's start with you, Pujic. Uh, we've already discussed uh, the meaning of AI and what AI means to our listeners a few episodes back, but just let's go for a quick recap. Maybe some of our listeners are just joining the show here, so they don't know exactly what it is. So why don't you first give a brief definition of AI uh, for our listeners who might not have listened to the, for, you know, the, our previous episode? Right. So artificial AI being artificial intelligence and standing for that uh, is basically artificially creating intelligence that is capable of whether narrow specific tasks such as we're going to talk about in, in realms of uh, medicine or, or uh, more generically, more general AI, uh, more general intelligence. Well, not exactly, but quite like a human being, perhaps, that can think on a broader range of topics. But right now, we're going to stick to the very narrow, specific area, uh, which in this case, we're going to be talking about medicine. That's right. Very well. So speaking of that, let's now talk about how AI is going to affect the field of medicine. Now, a lot of jobs we've already discussed earlier are going to be somehow automated in the future. Let's be honest, AIs can do a lot of things these days. But the field of medicine is one of those uh, basically controversial issues because, let's be honest, there are a lot of challenges here. So we'll talk about the challenges later in a moment. For now, let's just talk about how we see the field of AI affecting medicine in the coming decades. So, Ali Midi, tell me right now, buddy, what do you think? What is, uh, from your perspective, some of the biggest impacts of AI on the field of medicine? Uh, so, you know, one of the... One of the fascinating things with the machine learning is that, you know, like you can teach a computer pretty much any job now. So, you know, like you give it enough, like, like enough data. That's it's right. Be able to do that better than better than humans. And then and then right now it's, it's actually happening right now where they're providing a lot of data to computer how to perform an operation. And then in future, hopefully, I don't know how long is it going to be, but in future where it's going to be the, the doctor will be watching the computer doing the operation and um and you know we it's going to be even more precise because now it's a computer you know the, the, the computer doesn't um most of the times the mistakes are going to be really really low one so question let me just stop you right now before you continue ollie i got a question from you you mentioned the doctors yeah. are going to be watching uh, this computer, for example, perform the operation. Is it that kind of like the autopilot for the, uh, for example, pilots who tend to somehow not do anything? Or they have to actually uh, manipulate this process and uh, somehow change and infect it? So, yeah, so that's actually a great point. So the, so the, so the starting years, it's going to be where the doctor and the computer, they'll be working together. So the doctor will be telling the computer how to do things. But then slowly and eventually what's going to happen is going to be fully autopilot where the doctors are going to be hands off. Wow. Does that mean that in that situation we do not need any doctors? I mean like any technician can just handle it, just press the button and just let the, you know, the computer do the operation? I mean, yeah, I mean like, like who knows? Maybe, I mean, that might be a little bit far ahead, but, but I think in future that is a possibility. But at the same time, I think we still need the doctors for doing like, like other things. Uh, I think – yeah, I think this is good for the doctors as well because now it kind of frees their time to do like other, I don't know, research or, you know, like the things they want to do. You know, as far as I'm concerned, do. because I happen to know a couple of doctors and I actually work with a couple of them myself, uh, they, the, these individuals, they actually prefer to do the operations because I'm pretty sure a doctor can make a lot more money doing operations than doing research. So here's my question to you from the, uh, let's say, financial aspect of it. Could that be, be actually bad for doctors? I mean, let me just first move on to Pujiks. I'm going to come back to you, Ali. So Pujiks, do you think that this development in the field of AI can actually uh, affect the future income of doctors? 
doctors or even threaten uh, the stability of their career? I don't really think so because one thing that you got to understand is uh, one, although it's true that it, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning are taking away a lot of things, they're also providing a lot of things. So you can so basically what is happening with technology has happened thus far in general with technology and AI being one of the you know uh, revolutionary ones of course uh, is that we, along these time we have added the you know the purchase power to our consumers by making things very very uh, you know uh, cheaper and with that you can also perhaps make the operations not just better of course uh, more precise more more success rate but at the same time much cheaper mm-hmm. i mean that's good for other people of course but for doctors uh, analogous to to other people who are getting cheaper operations they're going to get other cheaper products that they need they also will get eventually not not initially but eventually they will get uh, cheaper uh, machines and it doesn't mean that like you can think of pilots uh, as it is you're talking about autopilot but it doesn't mean pilots are out of job actually well, still believe it or not, actually, I talked to a friend of mine recently uh, who is a who is an expert in the field of aviation. He's a great friend of mine, actually. And uh, after I talk, his name is Milad, by the way. I talked to Milad about this matter, and he said that uh, based upon his opinion, in the coming decades or so, at some point, even pilots will be out of job because the entire process will be controlled with AI and uh, electronically. Well, that's that's the thing you got to consider. How long has uh, have we had, uh, you know, autopilot, but the pilots had a job? I mean, it's not going to be exactly the same length of time. Oh, My interesting. Point is, it's not, the first step is not immediately all the doctors go away and let's do operations by machines. My point is, this is a very gradual process, relatively gradual process that uh, we will evolve into. As society and as a community. Interesting. Very well. Let me go back to Ali here. So, Ali, what do you think about the uh, impact of AI developments in the field of medicine from a professional point of view for the livelihood of the doctors and uh, basically surgeons and whatnot? Uh, well, I mean, like these are these are hard things to predict, but I think one of the things that that could possibly happen is that the doctors working with computer scientists. You know, at the, I think at the end of the day, it's it's not about doctors going away because because the doctors still have a lot of knowledge about about the human, you know, like human body things like that. But but a computer scientist does not, right? So so you still need people to to like work together. It's going to be more of a merging of two industries um, instead of just doctors just just going away. Um, because I think because I think doctors still have a lot of things. There's a lot of things that the doctors can do. Uh, that a computer scientist would not be able to, like, I guess, program. Um, Interesting. I, so you're saying that their it. jobs won't disappear all of a sudden, just uh, out of nowhere? No, for, oh, okay. for sure. Interesting. So let me ask you a question that I was actually asked. Uh, I remember we've already talked about this earlier in our previous episode. Uh, the PS4 exclusive title called Detroit Become Human. And I remember that at the end of that game, there was a survey from all the players. And here was one of the questions that I want to ask you right now. In that uh, survey, uh, the, uh, the questioner asked this question. Uh, would you be comfortable letting yourself or somebody that you love be operated by a machine 
or you would prefer to actually have a human being, an expert human being, a professional surgeon, do it for you. So right now, Pujix, let's say somebody, uh, let's just say, I don't know, somebody you care about is supposed to have an operation, uh, let's say a family member or even yourself. Which one do you think sounds easier and more uh, basically uh, applicable for you in your life to allow your, for example, loved one be operated by a real human being or by a machine? Right. I mean, assuming that the, the, the methods are perfected and the machine is having a high uh, accuracy and high success rate, then, yeah, of course, I wouldn't be mining the machine uh, doing an operation on myself or, uh, you, you know, any loved ones. Um, so, yeah, that, that's but that takes the assumption that the technology is perfected. The machine has high accuracy, uh, you know, dealing with the with the patient. One question, Pujas. Do you know any technology that is perfected? If any technology was perfect, then why do we have all these updates every single month for simple <laughs> well, things such as an uh, such an iOS? Of course, not in a literal meaning of perfection. I mean, it's gotten to a point that we can rely on it relativistically. So it's at, at the end of the day, humans make mistakes, machines make mistakes. The question is, on average, if the machines are performing better, then yeah, I wouldn't have a problem. Yes. Interesting. So, Ali, yourself, uh, would you prefer to have an operation done by a machine or you like a professional doctor handle it? Uh, so yeah, like just like what what uh, Puya said that you know it like it really depends if the technology is there uh, and if the if the stats are in in your side, then yeah, then for sure. And and also there's a technology. So you guys know about the LASIK like eye surgery, you know, like this like it's it's I believe it's eighty percent it's automated. So you know, like if you go back five to ten years, you know, like the doctors used to do a lot of things like manual but now it's you know it's it's fully automated most of it the laser surgery actually one of my friends recently uh i think it was his wife who got this surgery done and it took a while for i heard like the entire operation lasted for about 10 to 15 minutes basically and all basically done uh, with with the ai so are you saying that this is going to be then repeated in any other type of surgery let's say uh, let's say a heart surgery or a major cancer removal, for example, are you saying that the machines will be capable of, for example, cutting through the body, going through in and doing everything by themselves? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, can you think of a reason why not? Well, let's be honest. Think of, for example, we've already talked about things like, uh, let's say, uh, a driving, a self-driving car, right? And the challenges that exist with it at yeah. this time. I mean, driving a car is not a very complicated task when you compare it to, let's say, doing surgery on very small, uh, let's say, tissues or uh, uh, veins and whatnot. So, I mean, in terms of complexity, even by today's technology, we still cannot rely so much on driving cars. And then we have the issue of, for example, doing surgery. So don't you think that that might be a little bit difficult to handle or even be reliable? Uh, so, so, the thing I mean, I would... Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so so the thing with driving, I, I kind of disagree. I think it's driving is really complicated. I think most of the times we just get used to it. So if you remember the first time when you sat in the driving seat, and then you, you remember there are a lot of things you have to look for, you know, like, for example, like like your blind spot, and, you know, like, for example, when there's, um, when the lanes change, things like that. So there, there are a lot of components that humans are really, really good, really good at. Uh, we just don't see it that way. But um, so if you perfect driving, I think, so I think so far we have done that almost. You know, like I think it, so if you look at like San Francisco, 
you know, I think the Google car drove for like five years and, and they only had like a couple accidents. That's still way better than, than what the humans can do. It's way, it's like way, way better. So yeah, it's just the media, you know, like for example, when, when you get one, one accident from a self-driving car, it just becomes a huge issue. Whereas there's like 30,000 people dying every year, but that doesn't get covered in the news. Interesting. Um, so, so I think the technology is getting better at a much faster rate than we think. Um, and yeah, I just feel like I think computers are doing a lot of complex things even right now. Fantastic. So Pujish, you want to say something about this matter? Yeah, I was pretty much going to, uh, you know, give the same argument that, first of all, our algorithm of how we uh, quantify something to be perfected or not perfected or being good or bad or how like great the self-driving car is, our, our general public's algorithm is not really correct because the algorithm is, okay, how many times do we hear about the bad news? Whereas, if, as Ali mentioned, if some uh, human driver goes into a car accident, especially the minor ones, nobody's like never covered in news because that's not considered news. So, yeah, it's not... It's not a good, uh, you know, correct algorithm to define whether uh, machines are actually driving better than men. Uh, I believe on average uh, they are currently driving better than men. And the reason that we don't have them is because we haven't integrated it in our societies. Um, and again, with the LASIK surgery, that's a fairly uh, sophisticated. I mean, I don't know the procedure, but I'm assuming that's a fairly sophisticated procedure. But they are, uh, you know, sort of mastered it. And um, I cannot see any reason. I don't know when, but given enough time, I cannot see any reason that why couldn't be done the heart surgery or sophisticated surgeries as well. Interesting. Now that we were talking about this issue of technology, and we already mentioned one video game, let me mention another one that is somehow relevant to this issue. Again, the fact that most video games are targeted to a younger audience, they talk a lot about these things, which are quite interesting for this generation especially, and that was the game Watch Dogs. And in part of that game, I remember there was a part where you could actually hack uh, the, let's say, the uh, battery of the heart of that uh, old man who was suffering so much from a heart disease and stuff, and by hacking it, it actually killed the person. So let's talk a little bit about uh, hacking, basically, medical AIs and how they would actually cause problems for patients and doctors alike. So, uh, Ali, what do you think about this matter? What if, for example, this AI technology is hackable, right? So what if this could be abused in many ways? For example, let's say some uh, whiz kid in China starts messing around with the AI algorithms of, a, let's say, a famous, let's say, John Hopkins hospitals. And uh, at that time, there's a serious problem for the patients. There are deaths and whatnot. So what can we, because, because you cannot hack the brain of a surgeon, right? But you can easily, and I mean easily, hack anything computer-related, right? So what about the security aspect of uh, AI applied to medicine? Because in, in the field of medicine, we're talking about the lives of people, literally and metaphorically. So what do you think about this matter? What should uh, be done about uh, making sure this future technology will be safe and secure? And how could it be like, uh, pr- how can we protect this against hacking, for example? Um, yeah, so, so, you know, like, that's, yeah, I think that's something that, that the computer, like, the computer scientists have to solve to make it as secure as possible. Uh, and, and, you know, like, I think this is true for, for most technologies, where, you know, when, when a new technology comes in at first, it has a lot of the weaknesses that, you know, like, people are going to be, you know, like, using. Um, and, um, and, you know, like, one example would be, like for example, when when the airplanes 
you know, where when airplanes like were invented, uh, you know, like it was used for the good, you know, like like everything was done. Uh, but then I guess the inventors would have not imagined that someone could take this and then fly it into buildings. Right. So um, so I think every technology, you know, you can use it in a bad way. Um, and I think time would fix that. Interesting. That was a great 9-11, basically, a backdrop. I liked it. Let's move on to Pujis here. So what do you think about this matter, about the uh, security uh, issues that will inevitably arise once AI becomes the norm in hospitals? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's very true. And that's been true of the, uh, you know, e-commerce business as well, and still is. I mean, that's a concern, like a lot of people's money and uh, it can break the financial market very easily. So, so of course, there's a there's a issue there. And uh, it's going to be perfected. But then I want to, uh, uh, you know, drag your attention towards some uh, phenomena in c- c- uh, cryptography called quantum cryptography. Um, Would you please explain that a little bit? Because I have no idea what that means. Right. I mean, I'm not an expert on the field either. It's uh, it's one of the uh, features of quantum mechanics that uh, is used in cryptography. That So basically when you are... So, for example, when I'm communicating with you right now in, That's a, right. in a digital world... We both have the authentication of the communication that is being passed. So we have the access via, let's call it the password. So I have the password. You have the password. Uh, we call it end- end-to-end encryption, meaning that I encrypt the uh, data, send it to you. You have the key. You open it. You have the password. You open it, and you know what the content is. That's right. So That's typical description of the <laughs> encryption method, right? Yeah, this is a very uh, generic encryption method. Now, That's right. The problem with that is sometimes you can – first of all, you can intercept the message. If you don't have the encryption key, you cannot – uh, decipher it. You cannot say, okay, what does it mean? Um, uh, even if you just uh, intercepted the message. But then you can also intercept the encryption keys, uh, which which is which is a little bit of an issue in, in in a traditional way of encrypting. In quantum cryptography, the good thing is, even if you do intercept the encryption, it, it wouldn't really matter because you technically can intercept it because as soon as you interact with the encryption. Because of the nature of quantum state of matter, it will change its identity. It's not going to be the same thing. That's the feature that quantum has. So as soon as you observe a particle, for example, it's not at the state that it was originally. You've changed the state of that particle. So it, 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 it's impossible in a sense. It's virtually impossible to break uh, quantum cryptography. Of course, it has its own challenges, which I'm not too familiar with, uh, which they are being... Uh, Research and perfected. Actually, I know a uh, professor, um, Vadim, I forgot his last name, in uh, University of Waterloo that is doing this uh, very elaborately. Um, and, yeah, so that's that's one of the areas that is going to become very interesting and very, uh, very, you know, dominant very soon. Interesting. So are you saying that because of the development technology of encryption, uh, let's call it quantum encryption, there will be a lot less hacking in the future? It would become extremely more di- – so the challenges would be different challenges. It would be virtually unbreakable uh, via the traditional the, – via the ways that it's been done, being done right now. It might be different challenges, of course, but then it's, it's a layer harder for sure. Wow, interesting. So we've talked so far about the issue of AI in the field of uh, medicine. Let's talk a little bit about how AI can actually change uh, basically the very uh, facade of medicine and seeing patients and helping them. So let me first start with you, Ali. Uh, imagine you have access to a Siri-like medical advisor 24-7. 
Do you think that that will be reliable? And how would you like, uh, what do you think uh, this uh, availability of, a, let's say, Siri-like medical advisor in anything, in any area of your life can actually help you? Um, so, so with Apple right now, they actually do something similar even right now. Uh, so if you, if you get the, the Apple Watch, uh, what happens is that all your data about your heartbeat, um, you know, like um, all the pattern, it's sent to to the cloud and and if there's any sort of like you know if there's any sort of behavior that's 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 not normal it gets flagged wow so it, it tells you it tells you hey your heart is not normal you should see a doctor for example this can avoid things like like heart attacks or you know like even things like i don't know like for example you you go you go up the stairs maybe for only five stairs but your heartbeat is it's crazy high that means something is wrong so you have to see a doctor so this is happening right now with the with the apple watch and you know i can only see maybe in five years or maybe like even in 10 years you know i think i think with small gadgets that you put on your body i think um yeah i think you will be you'll be notified about your diseases before they even happen so i think at the end of the day it's you know it's just a just a good news for everyone. Interesting. Pujix, your perspective? Yeah, I mean, that's that's very interesting. And as Ali mentioned, it's already happening. It's just going to be more integrated, of course. Uh, with that, I want to also raise another issue, possible issue in, in, in AI within medical industry and medicine. And that is, if, if we have so much information about people's medical history or current status, it might become a tricky situation with insurance companies because now, oh, now they're no. not going to insure you for a lot of things. So, so of course, that, that would be, for example, what if I have a, a genetic disease that I can't do much about? Or with a uh, reference... Sorry, I, I can do something with uh, gene modification and fix that, but then who's going to pay for that? My insurance company, they're not going to insure me. So there's going to be a whole debate on that, which I think... It's less of a technical issue, more of a policy issue. That's right. And you can all fix that with the right policies, but it's, it, it definitely deserves a good debate. And I, I felt like it's a good thing to mention in our podcast today. Interesting. And uh, quite frankly, it's a serious issue because uh, obviously health insurance is quite crucial when it comes to running a functioning society. But in this uh, condition, my other concern is this, because recently I saw an ad where you simply install a chip, a very tiny and elastic chip on your forearm that collects all, and I mean all the information, not just your heartbeat, but like the blood content and a lot of other things. I mean, just imagine that right now, for example, you have this chip on you that is uh, simultaneously scanning all the vital information plus your blood tests 24-7, that kind of stuff. This is really, really incredible, which I thought a lot. Imagine like you are in the vicinity of a source of a certain virus and you get a warning, dude, there's like this virus around, be careful, turn around. I mean, that could have a lot of great impact on you, for example. Or let's say, for example, you're having fun with a lady and she's like, I'm all clean. And then there's a boom, this chick's got some problem, get out of there. So overall, you have a great chance of being able to protect yourself in various situations, both Las Vegas-ish and not. And because of this, I really believe that it's a great chance. Uh, However, I'm also concerned about one thing, and that is privacy. I mean, dude. Up until now, I mean, we all know that our phones could be easily tapped by the governments, by the hackers and whatnot. Uh, so imagine that right now the only thing they can do is to track our location and position and the content of uh, our cell phones. 
But imagine when people can literally track you 24-7 about everything, including like the content of your blood 24-7. How about the privacy issues that will arise as a result of this advancement in the field of medicine? Right. I mean, that's that's a that's a good debate. And uh, I think, again, as I mentioned, like with with respect to hacking, I, I we have technical solutions. I mean, we're working on it in a sense. But when it comes to policy, then that's 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 a debate like like that's also very important. But right now, as you mentioned, the data privacy is also a matter of, you know, OK, what do we do with the data privacy? There's a whole conversation going on in our societies. So. Yeah, of course, that, that has to be addressed, but I think that's more of a, uh, uh, you know, a policy issue rather than a technical issue. Interesting. And Ali, your perspective? Um, yeah, I mean, so so the thing with the insurance is that, you know, like right now with the car insurance, you know, there's some companies where you can you can install an app on your phone and it tracks your your driving pattern. Um, and so so that's good and bad. Like for example, if you if you if you are a a good driver, that means that you get discounts that most people would not get. So right now the car insurance is really high. It's because of like like few people who who get into a car accident and then they pretend that oh they're they're injured. So because of like few people, everybody has to pay a lot of premium. So I think with with these kind of like policies, I think so I think it's gonna help a lot of people in terms of like, um, you know, just keeping their insurance down. But, you know, at the same time, I think, I think maybe something similar with the help, you know, like for example, if you, if you have nothing to hide from your insurance company, then, then I think, then I think will be in your best interest because, because you'll be getting a much lower rate than most people. And, and, you know, the thing with the insurance, I think that's, that's more like a, like a USA thing. Because in Canada or, you know, like most of the of the developed countries, uh, you know, like you don't have to worry about that as much. But, but you know, at the same time, U.S. is is a big partner, I guess. But but I think, yeah, I don't know. Like with the health insurance, I'm not I'm, like I'm not too much worried about it because because in Canada, you know, like there's there's no such thing as health. In- well, there is. But but most people don't use it as much because it's, it's all from from the government. Um, but, you know, I think. Yeah, I think it will be really interesting in terms of how the government. So, so the biggest thing with the privacy is that how the government will work with these companies, because you can't trust the government either, because you can't just be like, okay, the government is is the big brother, you know, like like he's going to make sure that all our data is secure, but that's not true because the government could could use that data against you, but then you can't trust the companies either. So it's it's kind of like, okay, who do you trust? Wow. And you guys yeah. talk about this one. We're running out of time here. Just uh, wanted to address the last issue, which is the pharmaceutical industry, because that's, of course, linked directly to the medical industry. And I want to know, imagine like these AIs, of course, they're great into pattern recognition and whatnot. What if these AIs are like literally paid for or bought by large pharmaceutical companies who will then uh, advise their patients to take these medics, medicines that might not necessarily be that important or even necessary, but of course, because of the fact that money talks, it could actually compel a lot of patients to take their medicine and whatnot. So the last question I got from you, Pujic, is about AI and the field of pharmaceuticals and, uh, and generally giving people medications. Do you think that will have a positive or negative impact on the industry? Right. I mean, that, that depends on how it plays out, I believe. And that uh, what I mean by that is, uh, uh, so look, you can look at it this way. If, 
if you have one person, uh, one, for example, doctor recommending you something, and you can't ask for a second opinion, then you're stuck with that, right? And then that that person can be manipulated. Uh, that can be that person can be corrupted, and uh, you know, gives you uh, advice uh, that maybe it's not in your best interest, but rather in the pharmaceutical company's best interest or something like that. Yeah, of course that that that's a that's a way. But then um, you can have multiple doctors, for example. You can ask for a second opinion, and if you're not sure, go ask for a third opinion or whatever. So the point being, then my answer to that potential problem is democratization of these AIs. And we talked about it briefly in one of our cryptocurrency... Uh, exactly, uh, the decentralized world. Yeah, yeah exactly, in the blockchain technology episode. So, so yeah, I mean, if, if, if it's only one AI bot... Yeah, it can influence a lot of things, but thankfully that's not what we have in general in artificial intelligence world. Uh, but if if somebody's like one pharmaceutical company or some pharmaceutical companies are selling you products and their AI is suggesting that, and there's no check on that, then that's an issue. So I mean, I I don't know exactly how you can do that. We haven't I haven't really read into it, but. I'm pretty sure the answer to that would be the democratization of the, the technology. Fantastic. And Ali, your perspective? Uh, sorry, I was, I was on mute. That's uh, right. Sorry, I missed, the, I missed the original point, sorry. That's right. So uh, we're talking about the pharmaceuticals here and how AI can affect the pharmaceutical industry. So from your perspective, how will this affect, uh, let's say, prescriptions that we get uh, from, uh, let's say, AI doctors? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, you know, that's, I have no idea. I, I, I haven't thought about it as much, but, but I think with the pharmaceutical, um, you know, um, I think with the AI, it, it can make a huge difference in terms of like, maybe with the doctors, right? When they're, when they're experimenting with, with new pills, right? That's right. Uh, I think, I think it could help them to, uh, maybe, I don't know, like have, have data from, from history and then just run that and just see, okay, you know, like, for example, like I'm not a, not an expert, but you know, like, like, let's say there's some chemical that works really well with your headache, but then, you know, like maybe you have a, another condition that, that you can't take a pill during headache is because you might be, maybe, I don't know, like, but like, like maybe you have a second condition. So, so combining like your blood pressure, for example. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, so combining those two conditions and using AI, I think, I think that's doable. But um, yeah, again, I can't comment as much. But I think there's 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 huge possibilities. Fantastic. And with that, we're running out of time here. So let's go for a final comment. So, Pujix, after all that we talked about AI in the field of medicine, what is now your conclusion for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, we talked about, like, as Ali mentioned, there's, like, lots and lots and lots of opportunities and uh, possibilities, and that's great. And uh, But with that, we are stepping into an unfamiliar realm, which we have not sort of experienced um, in, our, in our past, uh, not exactly at least. So with that comes its own challenges, as we talked about a few of them, the privacy, the hacking, the, uh, you know, the, the potential corruption that can come with it. Those are the challenges that, uh, beside the first one, which was hacking, there are mo- mostly, uh, you know, um, policy issues. So as a community, we've got a, so like, or a couple of communities, computer science communities, technological community in general, and pharmaceutical com- uh, community, medical communities, etc. got to sit down together and come up with ideas on how we can prevent 
bad things essentially from happening, happening or minimizing them, rather, because, well, I guess there's no absolute. Uh, things might happen eventually, but then the point is we, we want to make it as minimal as humanly possible. Fantastic. That's right. Very well. And let's move on now to Ali. What is your final comment for our listeners? Um, yeah, just, you know, just in general, I think, I think AI is really beneficial in terms of like what it's going to do. I think a lot of people don't, don't really see that. A lot of people see the bad side. Um, you know, I think people need to like, like chill out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because, um, because <laughs> I think AI, look, AI is, you know, as we talked about things, you know, like how it's going to improve everything. And then you see like, you see 10 big benefits and then one guy is going to come up is like, oh, but there's one bad thing about AI. And then everybody, you know, loses their mind. Like, no, we can't do this now. So I think, it, you know, I think with AI, the future is is going to be much more brighter. But at the same time, I think we need to start having the, the tough conversation in terms of the privacy, right? I think those conversations need to happen in terms of like, who do we trust, right? Do we trust the government or the companies? And then also the conversation around... Um, like the self-driving cars, right? Like, like, like for example, there will be some case scenarios where the car has to choose between two humans. Like, for example, if it's driving on a road and and there's someone on the street lying wow. on the street, uh, now would the car just go off the cliff to save that person, or would the car just run them over to save the person who's who's in the car? Wow. So I think those kind of things, <laughs> because we are dealing with a computer now, because computers are so fast. They can make those choices. Before it used to be humans. Humans would be like unconscious decision, but with computer, it's it's a it's someone like sitting at the computer and programming. They're saying if a person on the road drive over. So, wow! You know, just imagine. I can guess who was going to be killed yeah, here. Be killed here. <laughs> All right. Okay, right? So, Very well. Or, or, or maybe maybe the programmer would just do like 50-50. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> How about just kill both of them? <laughs> Get it over with. <laughs> That's the most efficient approach. All right. I like it. Very nice. So overall, it's uh, definitely true. And uh, I can just – you said a very great advice. You said like just chill out. Imagine like you talk to your Siri-like medical assistant. It's like, I have high blood pressure. Things are very tough. I'm sweating. It's like – just chill out. Just chill the fuck out. It's all going to be fine. I mean, just imagine how that'll be great in the future. So with that being said, we're running out of time now. And this was all the time we have for if you're currently with us on iTunes or basically Google Play, do us a favor and leave a ranking. That'll allow us to reach a much wider audience. And that will hopefully allow us to spread the message throughout the world. Thank you very much for listening. This is Daniel Mulgan. And first of all, before I go any further, I want to thank both you, Pujix, and Ali Mehdi for your amazing and wonderful performance today. Thanks a lot for being here with us. Thank you, Dan. It's my pleasure. Thanks. And you as well. Thank so uh, I'm already jealous of you, uh, Ali, for your fantastic Vegas trip. It's been a while, man. It's been a while. Got to get back there, have some fun. But for now, <laughs> this is going to be all the time we have for it. Thank you for listening. And this was Beyond the Present Podcast. Thank you. <laughs>